1: Good to be with you, everybody. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. The Week 5 road trip to Vegas just ahead on Sunday. And welcome into Bears All Access. is brought to you by IGS Energy, the three-and-run Raiders in beautiful Allegiant Stadium, awaiting the 2-2 and Bears. We're with you until 7 o'clock tonight. We're brought to you again by IGS Energy Program. Tonight includes up-and-coming Bears outside linebacker Travis Gibson, the second-year Tulsa product, rocking and rolling right now off his best game as a Bear against the Lions. And we get the latest on the Vegas Raiders from radio analyst and former Raider left tackle Lincoln Kennedy. Thanks to our producers, Jordan Treadup, Dan Barilli, and the folks here at The Score. Uh, Tom, Justin Fields, named the starting quarterback, Uh, For now and into the future, as long as that may be, against the Raiders Sunday, and if all goes well, if he stays healthy, it's a job he's going to keep for a very long time for the Chicago Bears.
0: Yeah, you know, staying healthy is the key here, Jeff, because we've been haunted by some backstories of young quarterbacks that are inexperienced, and then they succumb to some type of injury, most notably Joe Burrow last year, after having an MVP Rookie of the Year type of season. So now that being said, We've seen enough incremental improvement throughout time from OTAs throughout training camp into the early part of the regular season that it's got to be explored. This team may be more threatening on offense with his type of athleticism respected, but now it's got to be the perfect combination of Bill Lazor's play calling and the way that Justin Fields can play behind center—that's a much needed ingredient in the future success of Justin.
1: Yesterday, Matt Nagy uh, talked about the process continuing to develop for Justin Fields.
0: It's very important. You want to you want to be able to see growth, and what is that? And there's a
1: there can be a long definition to what the growth and development is of a quarterback. And so that's that's our job as coaches to be able to do that—not just on game day, but prep from Monday to Saturday and have him understand, you know, how he can get he. He can't just get better on Sunday, right? He's got to do that, but he can't just get better there. He's also got to get better Monday
0: through Saturday, and there's ways to do that, and that's where the coaches and teammates come in.
1: And that coach is offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, John Filippo, the quarterback coach. Lazor talked about it earlier today, just how much practice has impacted his thinking about the development of Justin Fields and how he's taken it to Sunday. It's not always going to look the same, There are certainly variables that are in play, including the other defense, but that practice thing seems to be a big hook, and his ability to bounce back from the adversity in Cleveland and take it to the field at home against Detroit.
0: Yeah, you know, but there's two different sides of the thinking process during the practices for Bill Lazor, Matt Nagy, John D. Filippo, and all the offensive coaches. Whenever you're evaluating your player, whether it's Juan looking at the offensive line or these guys looking at the quarterback you got to look at how all this improvement and development fits in with your next opponent. So it's not only looking at Justin throwing this type of pass better, but how does this play work well against what you're going to see from the Raiders? How is he seeing this protection according to this third and whatever situation he's facing? So it's never a one-dimensional thought process. It's always how are you developing according to the plan of the future?
1: And Justin Fields says he uh, he really appreciates how Matt Nagy and the coaching staff last week set the tone by listening, talking, discussing about even the game plan.
2: um
3: I, I think he you know put it in the game plan last week. So um, you know that's just props to Coach Nagy for
4: listening to us and you know kind of kind of just putting in what the players want and what the players thought to uh, you know get us more confident about about the uh, game plan and stuff like that. And kind of us all all on the same page
3: about everything.
1: Just listening to maybe some of the ideas that they came up with and what those are, we will never know. But in terms of specifics in plays or what's called.
0: Well, you know, throughout Justin's career, and especially when you come from a program of high-profile Ohio State University, you have a chance to have these same discussions with your coaches at that level. And that's why Justin has developed into the quarterback he, he is Because he can be included in the conversation of the coaches of what he sees or where this, this game plan can go and how it can grow. So all those types of things that Justin says, I really admire him. You know, Jeff, one thing about Justin, the more I hear him talk at the podium, the more I like him. Because he's a thoughtful guy. He has a good understanding of how to, not how to answer questions, of what he wants to say and the way he thinks about him. So. You, you can see this guy might be light years ahead of the development process, but, you know, he's going to have the opportunity to continue to show it now throughout the season. I'm
1: really uh, happy to hear how the quarterback room is dealing with this. It's not easy. There's no way uh, around it. And you got a veteran and a very classy guy in Andy Dalton called up Justin Fields the night before, said, hey, I got gotcha. you. And that really is a, a big part of this secession plan at the moment because, It could get real ugly if it was any other way.
0: You you know what? And because a lot of the stuff that Justin has said about Andy Dalton, I I couldn't have any more admiration for him than I do. Obviously, he survived in the scenario that he went through in Cincinnati, did what he did last year in Dallas, and now he has a different trial throughout his career. This year, that's the way it's been presented to him. So um, I think the Bears are really fortunate to have a guy like Andy Dalton that's willing to commit himself to help Justin – become the best player he can this year in the shortest amount of time.
1: Injury news, of course, David Montgomery, sideline with a knee sprain, no official timetable on his uh, return to the field. So that gives a great opportunity for Damian Williams and also Khalil Herbert, the Bears' rookie running back, will delve into all that talk. Defense coming up next, though, with... Outside linebacker Travis Gibson, it's all just ahead here on Bears All-Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All-Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Bears All Access and pleased to be joined by Bears outside linebacker, the second-year terror right now, Travis Gibson. Travis the terror, I like it. Uh, I don't know what kind of nickname you might have had at Tulsa, but uh, Travis the terror is not too bad right now. How you feel about it?
2: I feel pretty good, man. Uh, you know, the nicknames, they'll come and go. Whichever <laughs> one sticks is the one I'm going to roll with. But right now, I'm feeling good and motivated with a lot of confidence.
1: What did they call you in college, by the way?
2: Uh, they actually just called me Trev. You know, I never, uh, weirdly throughout my football career, I haven't, I haven't acquired a nickname, so... But, That'll be something I look forward to. Yes, if you
1: keep you keep sacking quarterbacks and uh, breaking up passes, you'll be getting a lot of nicknames. But it must feel good after not getting a ton of playing time last year. We saw you coming on strong in training camp. And you're delivering right now. Uh, this is probably the best you've played, right? Yes,
2: sir, it is. I feel like I'm at my peak. I hate Travis. Um, first of all, I've been reading quotes that you're you're throwing out Roddy Roddy Piper's name. Did, are you old enough to know who he is? I'm actually not, man. My coach, my coach, showed me a old wrestling video that actually that I stole that quote from. So, and I actually liked the video. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> Right. I, I just think it's funny. An
0: older guy like me, 60 years old, I'm super familiar with Piper. So when I heard you go, wow, this guy's, this guy's old school. But let me ask you something. So your junior year in college, and I'm kind of leading up to the question to now. So your junior year in college, you have four sacks, nine tackles for loss. Your senior year, you have eight sacks, 15 tackles for loss. What was the difference in those two years that you, you had
2: such improvement from one year to the next? Um, you know, I think I just I just sort of let loose. You know, it was my last year in college. I knew I wanted to play in the NFL. You know, I dedicated more time to my pass rush. You know, the previous years before that, I really was just focusing on my body, making sure I was in the right shape and size to be able to compete in the position that I was in, considering it was a three-down uh, lineman front for our defense. So, you know, I sort of... Started working on my pass rush. I went to the Von Miller Pass Rush Summit, and I think I acquired a lot of um, techniques from those guys. So I took that into my senior year and just left it all out on the field. Okay, then let's speed up till now, because
0: Jeff and I were out of training camp every day. And, you know, there's certain guys that kind of catch your eye with regularity. And it was, you, you know, you look faster, you look bigger, you looked like you had a larger arsenal of pass rush moves and you were performing them a lot better. So, was there a was there a significant improvement this year throughout the off Because when I look at your stats from junior, senior year, then I look at you from a rook now to your second year. You look like a
2: completely different player. Oh yeah, man. You know, this um, this past off season, I took main focus to my pass rush, but also my body. Um, you know, our strength condition coach, Loco, he helped me out a lot on my explosiveness, change of direction, you know, just getting my body ready for the career that I want to have. So, you know, I took a lot of um, time to invest into that, and I think overall it helped.
1: Travis Gibson, our guest here on Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Hey, Travis, when you talked about the Von Miller camp, and, and I know you've touched on it, so is Cole Komet in terms of the tight ends and, and what he did with uh, that tight end class with George Kittle, and there's little things you pick up. So you analyze, guys. I'm sure you popped down a bunch of tape of, of guys past and present that rushed the passer, but... When you're analyzing these things, like we analyze you now, if you're analyzing them in our shoes, are you surprised at the subtle differences that lead to success for each individual pass rusher? And you think to yourself, "Man, can I actually do that move with my traits and my skill and my athleticism?" Or you know, maybe maybe you can't. Maybe you can't replicate that. Are you as an awe of certain guys and how they? work their technique and their foot, feet work, foot, footwork and their skill as we are looking at you guys and analyzing you as a great athlete?
2: Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, um, I try to look at guys that sort of have the same body type, similar to me, um, and try to still move from those guys. But it's so many things that I have still to learn. You know, I feel like I'm still a raw player. So when I look at these older vets – and the, the grace that we talk about, you know, um, it's so many little things that I overlook or as a young player that I don't typically think of. So when I do see those things, it's like, wow, like I didn't even or it's almost like I asked myself, why didn't I think of that? Because it's so <laughs> it's so many crazy things that could work. But it's just, you know, football is so it's so scattered. There's so many things that you can look at from down and distance to tendencies on the offensive tackle to things that you can do to, you know, make your game uncertain uh, to the opponent, obviously. But, yeah, yes, I'm I'm always in awe, especially with the guys in my room, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. You know, those guys, the way they watch film and the way that they do certain things with their body on their pass rushers, it's, it's amazing to me.
1: Well, you know, can you get as low... <laughs> As Robert Quinn does When he starts to turn the corner And bend that edge Or, you know, I'm always fascinated And Tom's heard me say this too Just the the hands of somebody It looks as though, you know, you have to slow down the tape Frame by frame sometimes To see a guy's hands Unlock their pass rush It's not clear to the naked eye You gotta slow it down Is that something that you even look at?
2: Oh yeah, most definitely You know, um Going to Robert Quinn Ben, you know, he used to wrestle most of his, yeah, basically most of his life high school, but, um, you know, that gives him that bend, so I know that's something that I need to work on to help me turn the corners, but as far as hands, man, it's, um, you know, they teach me so much about just the basic mechanics of the body, and that's something that I feel like I've um, sort of overlooked up until now, you know, just knowing If I pull one guy's arm, how it affects his opposite shoulder, just crazy stuff to help these guys get to the quarterback. And like I said, there's so many things, man. I could sit here for hours and talk about it. (laughs) You know, Trev,
0: when I watch Robert Quinn, I watch Khalil Mack. You remind me more of Khalil Mack than you do Robert Quinn. But there are two different types of players. And you talked about three-time heavyweight state championship wrestler in Robert Quinn. You know, there's a little bit of that mobility that as to pass rusher. But to me, I'm more interested in your, your second move because there's a lot of good offensive tackles. They're going to stand up, kind of stab you in the chest and ride with you, and then you have to use your second move. Is it something that comes to you through during the pass rush, or are you already saying, okay, I know what the down and distance is, I know what this guy does. If he gets hands on me, this is what I'm going to come back with if, if you need that second move.
2: Um, You know, honestly, it's sort of both. I, I like to look at the down the distance and know, like, you know, if it's third and forever, they might run a screen. So I'll see if he try to jump sets me. And if he does and the running back falls out, then I'll just play the screen or just little subtle things. But majority of the time during pass rush, it's really off of reaction. So, you know, I already have a move in mind or my favorite counters that we like to call them. But, you know, I go to my go to move or if I do if I do a bull rush one one play, then the next play I might do a speed rush. It's really just like playing chess, you know, keeping your opponent on their heels and trying to see, you know, um, basically what they'll give me and what I can give them. And basically whoever comes out on top or whoever plays the best mind game along with technique usually is the one who comes out with the win. You know, when you look at last year's training camp,
0: condensed couple weeks, you don't get, you barely get any reps. This year, you got a new defensive coordinator. You also have the full length of the the time for training camp, and you get a ton more reps. You got a lot of snaps in the preseason. Do you think that like took you to another level of player just because you had the opportunity? not only to work on your moves, but get more familiar with offenses in the NFL. And I just, how beneficial was that for you?
2: Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, um, the more reps make an actual big difference. Uh, it can make a difference in my confidence and actually my comfortability. So it's really just about, you know, the more reps that I get, the more things I start to notice, the more things I pick up on, the, the more comfortable I feel. So, you know, it builds my confidence. Um, it gives me actual tape to teach myself on things that I can do better to make myself more unpredictable. And, you know, it's a it's a whole mountain of things that reps can do, but I feel like that's been the biggest thing that has helped me improve my game because I get to feel the game more. I get to, you know, run pass rushes and do, you know, stop the run and things that I didn't really get a chance to last year. So I think that's been the biggest thing that has helped me.
1: With Travis Gibson, Jeff Joniak, and Tom Thayer, one more segment to go with the Bears outside linebacker. First a break here on Bears All-Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This segment of Bears All-Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow with Travis Gibson, Bears outside linebacker out of Tulsa, taking advantage of great opportunities right now with the Bears here in 2021, Tommy.
0: Yeah, we're talking about the pass rush arsenal that you have. But So, Trev, as an offensive lineman, I I liked blocking guys in two-point stance. I didn't like blocking guys in three-point stance because I think they held their, lever, their lower leverage better. So now you have the opportunity to do both.
2: What Where's your comfort zone, two-point, three-point? Yes, yeah, sir. Well, to me, it's, um, you know, when I'm in a two-point stance, I feel like I can see the field more. You know, I can see the motions from the – coming from the opposite side of the field if the back was the flip sides just little things like that um you know that's that's something that helps me with my in my two-point now with my three-point stance i feel like i can get off the ball faster i i come out yeah. the i come out of my stance with more explosion. so you know it's just taking those chances you know some pass rushes or some pass rush snaps i might get in a three-point if it's deep, you know, I feel like I need uh, more speed to get that edge and I, I might jump in a three point or if it's a shorter down, I might stay in a two point just in case it's a, it's a tricky play, you know, a draw or a screen or something. It just, it really all depends on the feel of the game. man.
1: It's one thing to just have these guys go do their thing, but it's another to deploy them. And I think Sean is deploying by, for example, moving, Khalil, you know, with Robert Quinn on one side, the stunts, the twists that matter and dictated by whomever you're playing. Do you feel as well as you're being deployed this year?
2: Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. I do, man. You know, I feel like they're using my strengths to help us win games. And, you know, we have, a like you just said, we have a, <laughs> a ton of stars on our defense and even more on our offense. So, you know, I feel like things are going well. You know, I know... Coach Desai knows my strengths and my weaknesses, and I think he's putting me in the best position to be as successful as I can be.
1: People are getting to know you, uh, Bears fans, so I get asked a lot of questions about you. And, you know, sadly, we haven't had the one-on-one time extensively to get to know players, but uh, I, I have told them you come from a very athletic family, and, and you've been on this show before uh, when you in your rookie year, I think when, when you first were drafted, but everybody in your family is an athlete. Uh, go down the list a little bit, and what do you think
2: you pulled from each of these folks? you know um, my grandfather on my mom's side he did football Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side he did football so I think that's where my main football traits come from Um, you know my dad did basketball my mom did a little bit of soccer my brother does pro basketball so I think I you know my agility and quickness I would say I grab from um, the basketball players in my family And the toughness and grit and determination, um, I think I grabbed from my grandparents on both sides and also my dad and brother. So, I mean, I know I didn't come from my brother, but I think, you know, they, they all taught me a lot of, a lot of different things. And it's really the determination in me, I feel is what helps me make a lot of plays. And, um, you know, just not being denied. You know, I don't, I don't like being denied. I'm not a, I'm not a good loser. I don't like <laughs> to lose, so that's that's just a tip on my shoulder that I, I like to carry around with me.
1: Well, you're being humble because uh, your grandpa, Tom, was a defensive tackle. I, I have it here for the 71 Oakland Raiders, uh, and your uh, mom played soccer and ran track at North Texas. Your dad played basketball at Texas, and your brother is playing pro basketball or has pro play, played pro basketball in Finland. This is great Bloodlines, right? Now, could you have played any of these other sports, the soccer, run track, or play basketball with the best of these guys, including mom?
2: Um, With the best of them? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. As much as I would like to say I could, I don't think so. I just wouldn't let them run all over me, though. I, <laughs> I have to try to put a little bit of physical physicalness into the game from the football side. Trev, you know, you got the guys in the past
0: that played football when
2: technology was a lot different.
0: Dieting was a lot different. Uh, scientific hydration was a lot different. You know, all this stuff of watching tape of your opponent uh, and all the other stuff that's helping construct Trev into the player ultimately he's going to be. How beneficial has all that been for you in the last year and a half to have access to a
2: variety of uh, helpful opportunities? Oh, man, it's been tremendous. You know, um, I think the biggest thing for me has been recovery. You know, I didn't, I mean, Tulsa was obviously a great school, tremendous school, a nice school, but I didn't really have um, access to the recovery methods that I did there that I have now here in Chicago. So you know, Andre, Andre has been helping me out, our athletic trainer. You know, they make sure that everything is good, I'm healthy. Um, but they also make sure I recover, and that's not their job, but they've shown me different ways to help me do my job, which is recover. So, you know, that's. I think that's been a big thing that has also helped my game continue to go upward. And um, I plan on, you know, just keep soaking things up. You know, every. I'm still young. This is only my second year in the league. You know, I got so many vets on my team, so many that it's almost it's almost impossible not to be a sponge around these guys. So, you know, that's that's something I'm grateful for, and I keep and I'm I'm going to continue to look forward to it. You know,
0: you know, Trev, back at the old uh, San Francisco Stadium, it was probably the worst locker room I've ever been in, in the history of my sports life. Now I hear John Gruden complaining about the visitors' locker room at SoFi Stadium. Can you take us into that locker room and tell us? Was it? Did you notice it? Was it a pain for you the way it's constructed, or is it just you know kind of a complaint that means
2: nothing? Uh, you know, honestly, I think it's a complaint that, you know, I don't even think it needs to be said. I don't. I didn't <laughs> see anything wrong with the locker room. I mean, I'm appreciative to be in the position that I'm in, but you know, I didn't see anything wrong with the locker room, regardless. It's not it's not affecting the play on the field. So I don't think that was I don't think that was a factor that needed to really be um <laughs> filtered into anything, honestly. You know, Trev the, the
0: locker room in the old San Francisco Stadium was built for baseball teams. You had about three and a half too many big guys in there for the space, and I do think it affected the game. So I was just interested to hear your point to see, you know, probably nothing made of it, just the head coach's complaint.
1: <laughs> Especially after a loss, <laughs> right. I'm sure he wasn't happy at all. Right, right. How are you looking at these Raiders? Right. What do what you see on tape that's uh, got your attention, Travis? Um,
2: you know, I got I to tip my hat to them. They're a good team. They have speed. Um, their offensive line is physical. You know, they like to run. Uh, it's it's so much, especially taken from today that all the information that we were given, you know, they're, they're a team that you have to respect, but we're going to go in there and fight the fight and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one.
1: Yeah. I venture to say there'd be a lot of bears fans traveling to Vegas as well. All right. Now the fun portion of our show, quick five questions, whatever pops into your mind, let it rip. All right. This is just some fun stuff. Pre-game ritual. Do you have one?
2: Um, pre-game ritual, I usually just chill, listen to the music in the locker room. Um, the night before, I like to eat French toast. I think that's my ritual. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of French toast, so I like to overeat some French toast or something wherever we are and you know, just enjoy it, get ready for the next day.
1: That's an interesting one. Syrup or no syrup on the French toast?
2: Uh, light syrup, just a little <laughs> bit. Not, <laughs> not too much.
1: Uh, If you have one, what is your worst habit? in your opinion? My
2: worst habit. Um, you know, that's the, that, I think if I was to say, I like cheeseburgers, man, you know, <laughs> our, our facility, I know. Yeah. Our facility, they make some really good cheeseburgers. And I don't, I don't think it's been a week that has went by that I haven't grabbed at least one. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know the health factors on that, but I think that's something, (laughs) I think that's something I need to break the tendency of.
1: I'm sure you're burning it off a little bit. You got a favorite actor out there in the movie world or TV favorite actor,
2: favorite actor, probably Michael B. Jordan or Will Smith. You know, I feel like those are great actors. They played in a lot of action movies. Um, Actually a wide range of movies. So, I think if I was to go with any of those, it would probably, any of them, it would probably be one of those guys.
1: A skill you'd love to learn? Oh,
2: you know, I wish I could dance, man. (laughs) I guess I I wouldn't say stage fright, but, you know, in in situations I have the opportunity to dance, I'm, I'm hesitant. You know, I'm... Yeah, I'm goofy. I like to joke around. I'm outgoing. But that's just one hump I can't really, <laughs> I can't get over, man. That makes three of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah. and lastly,
1: uh, what advice would we give to your younger, your younger self, a younger Travis Gibson?
2: I, I believe standing now, I think I I would say I put in the most work that I could. But I would say even put, I would say put in even more, honestly. You know, just uh I mean, I see where I am now, but I, I just think if I did put in even more work than what I did, where could I be right now? So that's something that I plan on doing, obviously this next off season and every day here on out.
1: Well, we do appreciate your time, and we know you're a committed player, man. You have said that from the <laughs> moment you got here. I think think it all started when uh, that 200 pound kid in high school was uh, wasn't really uh, recruited very heavily, and you've you've taken that a long way already, and uh, a big big bright future ahead for you we really appreciate it Travis have a, have a great game against the Raiders thank you so much
2: thank you yes, Travis. Sir. thank you both
1: Travis Gibson our guest here on Bears All Access Tom and I will sit down and talk to Lincoln Kennedy the former left tackle the Atlanta Falcons and the Raiders now the radio analyst it's all just ahead here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score Back to Bears All-Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. We're brought to you by CDW. CDW, people to get it. Learn more at CDW.com. Pleased to be joined for a look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Lincoln Kennedy, the former first-round pick of the Atlanta Falcons and a decade-plus player in the National Football League. You can't miss him. You look like you're still ready to play, buddy.
3: Oh, believe me, I I took a few plays off the field with me just so I could keep them in the closet. But, no, this is a young man's game. I'm 50 years old right now. I don't need to go back out there and prove anything. Thing. I'm good. <laughs> the funny thing is, though,
1: at the end of your career, you did, right? You played three years after the NFL for the Tampa Bay Storm of the Arena Football
3: League. Yeah, I can honestly say that I was one of those athletes or former athletes that had that itch after hanging up my cleats. I thought I was done, sat on my couch, started watching football again, and you know, got myself back in shape. I was like, wait a minute, healed up from all the injuries and the beatings that I took and said, wait a minute, I think I can give it another try. And so my agent at the time suggested just try arena football so you can see, you know, people can see that you can play. And uh, maybe you'll get another shot at the National Football League. But arena football took whatever football dreams (laughs) left I had in me, took it out. I I walked off the field from that and I was like, I'm done. I'm definitely done. You know,
0: it's something about the chances you take, Lincoln, because I played my first three years in the USFL and kind of stepped outside the NFL box after I got drafted. And it was a great experience for me. But, you know, reading about you, I, I can't. I cannot wait to ask you this question because we played about the same amount of time. I played offensive mm-hmm. guard. You played offensive tackle. In mm-hmm. my time, I think I recovered one fumble. I read that you recovered nine fumbles
3: in your career. Is, is that true? Yeah. I, well, I mean, I don't know the exact stat, but that sounds about right, Tom. The thing is, is that um, since college, I prided myself of always trying to be around the ball to, to help protect the ball carriers or the receivers, and so I would hustle down the field to either pick my guys up off the floor or on the ground, or just uh, or or you know just be around the ball, as I said. And there were times there were opportunities where the ball's out and you got to go in there and, and try to pry. But uh, being on both a uh, bottom of. Most of those piles, I can tell you, anything goes. Everything happens <laughs> right. at the bottom of those piles. Right. Everybody's trying to go for the football, so it, it, it was it was one of those places where I just try to take my big body and curl up in the fetal position and protect myself until the rest uh, dusted everything off. <laughs>
0: All right, then let's t- let's talk about your big body and the big bodies of offensive tackles. Can you look at you know six 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 seven frame, three hundred mm-hmm. plus pounds? When you look, I don't know if you had a chance to watch Robert Quinn's rushes yet. When you see his bendability with that positive forward movement, what advice would you give to a young offensive of tackle? You know, they just played Penn Sewell up in Detroit, right. and you know, so, you know, you guys got Leatherwood there. the yeah. Raiders. What advice do you give a big tackle about how to play a guy with that bendability?
3: Well, you know what? Here's the thing, Tom, the, the game has reformed itself where it actually just it evolved itself to seven years. I mean, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, year round. It's no longer like it was for us where we had the, the, my, the majority thought that it was six months on, six months off. You've got to always keep yourself in shape. And what I tried to suggest, especially to offensive linemen, was that when I played, I did things like acupuncture. I did things like Pilates, yoga. Just everything I could to keep myself limber. You've got to keep yourself limber because you never know as an offensive lineman when somebody's going to fall on your legs in awkward places. So flexibility is absolutely key and essential, as well as just the overall investment in your body. You have to figure out, I read a lot of books, um, and one of the best ones was Eat Right for Your Blood Type, which showed you the foods that are more beneficial to your body style, body type than others. And those are the type of the investments that you have to do in your body, in my opinion, in order to stay around. You see guys like Tom Brady, LeBron James, they invest tons and tons of money into their body just so they can keep performing. I think offensive linemen need to soon take a page out of that because, you know, it's hard. It's hard, and, and, and it's hard to stay on that level and stay at that competitive edge. You've got to invest in your body if you want to do it.
1: Lincoln Kennedy, our guest here on Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy. As Tom and I break down the Raiders, we, we start always with the offensive line of every team, and so uh, a redo a redo with that group and some big names no longer a part of that or on the injured list right now. How is that line adapting? We watched them on Monday night, obviously, uh, against the Chargers, uh, but Leatherwood is a great place to start because he comes from a big program and uh, a lot on his shoulders right now.
3: Well, I like Alex Leatherwood because he loves to play football. More importantly, he likes to beat people up, so he's right in same mentality that I had as an offensive lineman, right there. But more for the, he still needs to develop. There's still things that, especially in his pass sets, he needs to work on. And the only time is going to, you know, tell what type of player he's going to be. And I've always believed offensive linemen and quarterbacks are two of the positions that need as many reps as possible. So you don't put anybody on the sideline and make them hold a clipboard. They've got to be out there. They've got to see it. They've got to experience. Schematic wise, there are things that coaches can do to help protect some offensive tackles or offensive players that struggle, especially in the offensive line. But and we're yet we're still seeing that develop with Tom Cable and uh, and Coach Gruden and the staff with the Raiders. But for the most part, I think Alice Leatherwood is going to be good. I like the fact that he can—he's a strong run blocker. Uh, he's coming along in the past game uh, overall with the offensive line, especially with the interior part. You guys know that we've had some changes. Denzel Good, who was listed as a right guard, went down in game one and is on IR for the rest of the year with a torn up knee. Um, Richie Incognito has yet to play yet, and and, and they Grid has really been hush hush as to why, um, but he's been put on the IR for the next couple of weeks, so he's down. So John Simpson, with a former third round draft that they got from Clemson a few years ago has been thrusted into the starting position, as well as Jermaine Illuminor, who was a recent addition uh, right after the training camp. He's got some experience coming out of Texas A&M. I think he's a fifth-year player, if I'm not mistaken. Don't have my notes right in front of me. And then Andre James, who played mostly tackle in his college days, but has been converted to center. He struggled a little bit, but Tom, you know, I have the utmost confidence in Coach Cable, the offensive line coach. Um, He's the one who got Colt Miller a few years ago who turned out to be a good franchise tackle for the Raiders left tackle this is a work in progress but overall it's it's a group that i I see improving as the year goes on john gruden's father was our running backs coach when i went to college so
0: it's kind of an offensive centric family when you think about the defense though the raiders you know they always had that tough guy reputation going back to when i was a kid does gruden have any hands-on approach to the defense or is he totally quarterback offensive centric
3: and then the defense coaches take care of themselves Totally offensive minded. He always has been. Even the days when I played for him, he's always been offensive minded, focused on the quarterback, focused on the offensive game plan and scheme. He's turned over the defensive chores to Gus Bradley, who's done a fairly good job so far. Uh, the Raiders are 3 and 1 after the first month of football. I don't think you can, you I mean, you can ask for better than that before, no, but it's unlikely, especially the parody that's uh, in today's game. But for the most part, Gruden has turned over the defense to Gus Bradley, who's got those guys fired up. Now, this is a case where, you know, there's going to be a few injuries, especially in the secondary, that they have to deal with with but for the most part the strength of this defense right now is the pass rush a pass rush ability from the defensive line if they can generate some movement and some uh you know some uh, rush towards the quarterback to make those quarterbacks feel uncomfortable that's that's the big process that's the key to this defense playing this cover cover three style defense you know
0: jeff and i came from cleveland two weeks ago we talked about the black hole of the midwest what is the
3: atmosphere inside the vegas stadium on behalf of the raiders Absolutely wonderful. I mean, you guys—if you guys get a chance to come out with the Bears, you'll see it firsthand. But this is the first time I've been affiliated with the Raiders for well over 25 years, quarter of a century. And this is the first time I can honestly say the Raiders have their own home. Uh, when they were in LA, they had to share it with SC, and SC was a bigger name, a bigger draw at the Coliseum in LA. Even though they won a Super Bowl there, and when they were back in Oakland, they had to share the stadium with A's, and it was really—you know—really, it was really. It wasn't fun to play on that infield turf, and it really wasn't, you know, a, a good thing to feel that you had the most dilapidated stadium in the in, in the National Football League when everyone else was getting new stadiums. You were left to, to, to play in that disaster. But now that they're in Vegas, they've got their own home. Allegiant is beautiful. It's a definite home field advantage. The crowd has played into in the two games that they played there so far, uh, and more importantly, it's the Raiders' home. So when you walk through Allegiant Stadium, it's everything Raiders, and that's the first time that I've seen it since I've been affiliated with the program.
1: Lincoln Kennedy, our guest, a couple of more moments with the former left tackle and now radio analyst. And uh, that fast turf, I'm sure, is exactly what is making uh, Max Crosby deadly at home, sacking the quarterback. So he's an interesting character that we were introduced to when we played you guys in London. And he was kind Mm -hmm. of a surprise guy as as a later round pick from Eastern Michigan. But uh, he's a different player uh, on the home surface, isn't he?
3: Well, there's no doubt about it. And uh, you know what? I tip my hat to Max Crosby because in this offseason, especially after his second year, um, he really cleaned himself up. He cleaned himself up mentally and physically. And what I mean by that is, he—it's he, no secret—he went to a rehabilitation center and got his life straight. Uh, and determined that he was going to invest a lot into himself. And right now, it's paid off. He's playing at a really high level, and the Raiders kind of were kind of looking forward to that. This is a very critical time. We know the breakout season that he had as a rookie, and then of course it was almost like a sophomore slump. But it was just the fact that more offenses were paying more attention to him than they did his first year, and Keen on him so that took him a little bit of a step back but this so far this year he's been an absolute crowd wrecker and as I mentioned a moment ago you know the key to this defense playing the style of defense is you're going to have press coverage on the outside receivers but you've got to have a front four that can generate pressure or at least make the quarterback feel uncomfortable to get rid of the ball you'll take a lot of the short underneath stuff because as you get closer to the red zone you guys know the field becomes more compact and becomes tighter and it becomes less and less than uh, ability for you able to stretch it like that so you know you got to have a pass rush Max Crosby and crew have really stepped up this year.
0: Hey, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. They had eight catches for one hundred and eighty eight yards, biggest game mm-hmm. of the season. Now Monday night it looked like you guys had some cornerback issues with guys leaving the game. I don't know their status. Would you know, is is that gonna is that gonna be a matchup that the Bears will be able to take advantage of, or is this some kind of a recoverable injury scenario for the
3: Raiders? You know what, Tom? In all honesty, we don't have any clarity as the significant or the extent of the injuries on the defensive backs. Trayvon Mullen was one of them. Damon Arnett also went out. Um, and Casey Hayward is in the corner. I think actually finished the game, if I'm not mistaken. So we do have some issues at, at corner, and and yes, it is an issue. It's something that can definitely be exploited because, unfortunately, you know, as a Raider guy, I don't want to say that, but it's true. Uh, it, it, you can see teams going at it, you know, and it's bad for in a sense, not necessarily bad, but it's concerning for the Raiders because for all intents and purposes, it seems the Bears have been able to figure out Justin Bills for at least one game. So, the last thing you want to do is come in when your defense is struggling and going up against an offense that seems to get it hot. It seems to be gotten hot. So, um, yeah, it is a case for concern.
1: Alright, last question. We'll let you go, Lincoln. Appreciate all your time. We, we saved the best for last. Uh, Derek Carr, he's had a great start to yeah. the season. And then couple that with the slow start issue going on with you guys. Uh, has it been pinpointed as to why? Because the Bears went through that last year.
3: You know, in my opinion, it's execution. I've always felt that coaches coach, players play. You can put the best game plan together in the world to defeat every defense or every offense, however you want to look at it, and you could still come up short if you don't have the execution. The slow starts, I sort of deem it as the execution. And, and it's unfortunate because you've seen what Derek can do when he gets protection or when he gets time. Derek has been able to exploit exploit all the weapons that he has in his arsenal, you know, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, uh, Hunter Renfro, as well as Darren Waller. Um, they have yet to really get the run game consistent, but I think that's a work in progress with the two additions, especially at guard uh, that, that weren't planned, expected to be there uh, when the season started. So, um, this is an offense that has the potential of being a high, explosive, powerful offense. Hasn't seen its full potential yet, um, but it's all to me. And when it's slow start is attributed to its ex- execution, in my opinion.
1: I appreciate it. And Hunter Renfro's hit. Literally had me jumping up in the air. I was in the house by myself. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what a great play. (laughs) I love players like that. So looking forward to seeing you out there. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, Bears-Raiders will be a a big draw, not only for the Chicagoans headed down, but for the Raider fans welcoming them to Allegiant Stadium. (laughs) Thank you you so much.
3: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Lincoln. One more segment to go
1: here on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Download the Chicago Bears app to play our new predictor game, Risk It. Brought to you by Bet Rivers for your chance to win $250 in free bets and a custom Bears jersey. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, our final segment here tonight on Bears All Access. Brought to you by IGS Energy. Talk about Bears jersey. There's going to be a a lot of them at Allegiant Uh Stadium, Tom. No question. I mean, I know Raiders fans, they are legit passionate, crazy, and supportive. And I'm certain they're going to fill that joint. But I'll tell you. I think the Bears fans are invading and they'll pay top dollar to be in that building.
0: Yeah, you know, you got to pick and choose the way you cheer at a Raiders game if you are wearing the opponent's colors. Because a lot of these guys don't take too kindly to uh, the opponent's <laughs> fans <laughs> trading yeah. their stadium. And like when we talked to Lincoln Kennedy, he talks about the Raiders finally have what they can call a home yeah. because they were so makeshift for so many years moving around and sharing facilities. This is a facility that they want to build into their, their their home like never before. All right, let's listen to Sean Desai, the Bears
1: defensive coordinator. Uh, the Bears are leading the league in sacks with 15. He says it's a start. It's only uh, four weeks into the season, so let's, let's have that consistency, keep building. But defending the Raiders, not an easy task. They have a lot of weapons with a quarterback right now that has confidence and is uh, in sync with his head coach and John Gruden. The,
0: the difficulty is you're preparing for everything. Uh, and so you got to be really good at everything. because This team is built, the Raiders I'm talking about, is built to uh, attack everything. You know, they can attack your edges in the run game. They can hit you downhill. Uh, Jacobs is a physical downhill runner. And uh, you guys saw it on tape every week this year uh, where they're going to get their pass explosives. then you know, there's going to be points in the time where they're just going to tell Ruggs to run to the green grass and Derek's going to throw it to the green grass and he's going to go catch it. And they take a lot of shots with 89 on the outside, too.
1: 89 Brian Edwards, but the, the big part of this whole thing is dealing with that tight end, though. The tight end position obviously has blossomed with Darren Waller. I go back, 2019, two touchdowns in his career. Now he's got 14 more in that period of time and over 200 catches, Tom. He is a load to deal with. But uh, I think Sean Desai's defense, that, that back end, because they've given up five big shots that have, have led to touchdowns, it's tied for the most in the NFL.
0: Yeah, you know, I tell you what, when you have this quarterback-coach relationship and you've seen it throughout history in the league, whether it be Drew Brees and Sean Payton or some of the other uh, relationships you have, that's what you really have to pay attention to because if they recognize a vulnerability in your defense, they're the type of guys that will attack it repeatedly. But when you have a weapon like their tight end, this guy can line up all over the field. He can be a a, a, a uh, matchup nightmare from the line of scrimmage anywhere he lines up. So you don't want to show that you're incapable of stopping their tight end, but you want to make sure that you're capable of stopping their first big play efforts, because if you don't look for him to go over the top continuously.
1: As we discussed with Lincoln Kennedy uh, in our last segment, the, the Raiders scoreless on their opening offensive possession now for the 10th consecutive game dating back to last year. Uh, they've been in a 21-point deficit, a couple of 14-point deficits, so jump on them early. And just like last week, Jermaine Effetti earlier this week discussing this, you know, Matt Nagy put it on the O-line, and David Montgomery delivered. Montgomery not here this week. The offensive line, though, I would hope have that same kind of mentality that they gave last week.
4: We, we, do, we just want the opportunity to show who we are, and I think Sunday was a cool step in the right direction of – All right this is who we are we can we can run it we can throw it if we have to we can throw it around we got some good receivers and we got some capable uh pass protectors and we have uh quarterbacks that can that can really sling it but um the fact that they trusted us and said hey we're gonna put it on y'all let's uh, y'all tight ends uh jp leading up in there a few times you know it's it was was real cool it's cool it's cool to be able to to lean on guys because then you you start to you start to have an identity. You start to you start to make them feel you. When the defense start feeling you, you know, you you, you start scoring points. So I think it was 21-0 at one point. You know, that feels good. That feels good, and we just want to keep uh, having that feeling going forward because we know we're we're capable, and we we still left some points out there. So we're you're capable even more. So we'll keep going and keep we'll just keep building on it. But uh, it was a really good uh, start, step in the right direction for us.
1: Tom, how, how does the Line of scrimmage matchup in this game with the Raiders. But they, they come off the ball. Rod Marinelli is their D line coach, so you know, get off is number one.
4: Okay, you know
0: what? Uh, what Jermaine Effetti said right there, that's the same every single game an offensive lineman will ever play. They are never going to change your number and start putting in some pass routes for Jermaine Effetti, Jason Peters, Cody. James Daniels or Sam Mussel, for that matter. It's all how the tight ends will ac- accept their responsibilities, Jeff, because we have receivers as tight ends, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet and, all, and Jesse James and the rest of the guys. But what they did last week, the blocking display they put on, if they're unselfish and they're willing to do that week in and week out, they can match up against any front in the NFL. And so if they want to have those multiple blockers, I think the Bears offensive line can control this uh, this defensive front and still be capable of doing any everything. Damian Williams, he had a 20, a 25 carry game in 2020. So he knows what that responsibility is about Offensive line, the same, Give me the tight end position, what they did last week.
1: It's Tom there. I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks again to our producers, Dan Brilli and Jordan Treadup, and the guys here at The Score. Thanks to our guests, Travis Gibson, and also Lincoln Kennedy, the former Oakland Raider, now Las Vegas Raider franchise analyst. That'll do it for us tonight. This has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night.
0: Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes, or download the official Bears app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Bette Rivers and Miller Lite.